We're still more than 48 hours away from the anticipated showdown between the Bills and the Bengals, but we wanted to go early on this Saturday morning so you have all weekend long to consume the preview show. Get ready for Monday Night Football. This is Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you, as always, by Tops Friendly Markets. And I don't know you know, if you're going to Cincinnati, maybe you already hit the road, maybe you're hosting a, a family party or a party with friends um, at the house, head over to Tops right now and hit the Carryout Cafe. Ryan, I'm so disappointed. We're doing a morning show right now, and I didn't get myself set up with the Tops Legendary Breakfast Pizza for only $20. I could have knocked it completely out of the park, just crushing breakfast pizza as we preview this game. But I, I missed it. I, I, I'm so embarrassed for myself. You know, we're actually going to stop at Tops today to get some things for New Year's Eve. Happy New Year's Eve, Bill's Mafia that are here joining us this morning. Uh, and I think we're going to get a fresh Tops breakfast pizza. It might be a lunch pizza. It might be a little bit later, but we're, we're looking forward to that today. Let's go. I love it. Um, yeah, they got you hooked up over at the Carryout Cafe uh, over at Tops. Uh, there's all different kinds of varieties of food. Uh, great deals every single day in the cafe. Jumbo chicken wings, 10 count for $14. If you're going there at night, large cheese and pepperoni pizza, $14. The pizza or taco log, six count, $7.69. Baby back rib sections, $5.99 a pound, plus sub sandwiches, wraps, apps, sides, and so much more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone for the complete menu of ready to enjoy fan favorites. All right, we're going to break down this game, Ryan, and we're going to take a deep dive into all different levels, the matchups that are really going to decide um, this game. But before we do, I want to talk about like the bigger picture here because, of course, so much is on the line, Like, just like fundamentally with winning the number one seed, right? Like you want to like play – you know, all of your home game, your all your playoff games at home until the Super Bowl. Like that's the goal of every team. But really, you look at this murderer's row of the AFC, and what could be determined on Monday night is what teams you have to play in order to get to the AFC title game. I mean, you look at the Dolphins, you look at the Chargers, who's all of a sudden now playing great football, the Bengals, the Ravens, the Chiefs. I mean they're all going to potentially beat each other up a little bit. And the person, the, the team that wins the number one seed, if they're in that spot, they get a buy. And then maybe the best matchup in, in that Ravens slash Titans, Jacksonville Jaguars uh, winner in the second round. It, it's huge, man. I, I mean, you, you can't say it any other way. And I, I'm sure the schedule makers that went back and are looking at this game now are sitting there saying, man, we, we, we picked the right game for Monday night football in week 17. Uh, there's been a lot of duds this year in those primetime spots. A lot of teams that they figured were going to be good, like the Denver Broncos. Uh, but when they picked this game with the Bengals, obviously the AFC representative in the Super Bowl last year and the Bills, they knew what they were doing. This game has high, high stakes. Bills win this game. It doesn't mean that they've locked up uh, that number one seed, but it, it sure looks pretty good with the Patriots as the only game remaining. But this game is so huge because, you know, this is an evenly matched team, I think, between the Bills and the Bengals. Uh, this is possibly an AFC championship preview. It, it, I just feel like it's going to come down to either the Bills, the Bengals, or the Chiefs this year in the AFC. As good as the Chargers are playing right now, as good as some of these teams are, that's just kind of that uh, – upper class of the AFC right now. And, and we're getting a p potential AFC championship preview on Monday night. And so the intrigue 
like that's heightened of this game is that Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, the Bills and the Chiefs, they've literally played each other like five or six times over the last two or three seasons. So we've seen what it looks like when both of those quarterbacks go against these defenses, the stakes of the games that they've played in. This is the first time that Joe Burrow and Josh Allen are ever playing against each other. We don't really have any data or previous uh, games to go off of and how these teams will try to attack each other. And there's so many interesting matchups. There's some, some turnover right now on the Bengals offensive line. Where are you to start off with keying in on? We're going to go through all the different matchups, all the different kind of uh, things that can happen in this game where you think, all right, this to me is going to be one of the biggest determining factors of this game. Yeah. Well, one, I, I think it's going to be limiting their, their pass catchers on the Bengals um, and easier said than done. They have a really strong one through three, uh, we talked about it a little bit on our last show, Matt. Do you try to slow down Jamar Chase? Do you try to take away uh, T. Higgins? You, you know, what, what do you do there with that one, two? You still have Tyler Boyd. That's going to be the big thing for the Bills defensively. And offensively, you know, I, I think as good as the Bengals can be with their pass rush for the Bills to win this game, they simply have to stop shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, where do the Bills drive stall out? when they get a holding penalty and it goes to maybe a first and 20 when they get those untimely penalties that back themselves up a little bit. So for the bills, it's playing a clean game on offense, but those are my two keys. What about you? So I want to stay on the offensive line for a moment. And I think that is a great observation in terms of the penalties and that being an issue over the last couple of weeks. And where do penalties, especially holding penalties usually derive from? It's a, a lack of ability to play the position the way that it needs to be played. If you go and look at pro football focus right now, and I know they're only grades and you know over the course of the season, I kind of like them a little bit better than like the game to game reactionary type of things. I think when you have a bigger sample size, it, it tells more of a story. Roger Saffold and Spencer Brown have been the two bills, offensive linemen that have struggled the most in pass protection. And, you know, this week, luckily for the bills, Deion Dawkins at left tackle. He is going to deal primarily with Trey Hendrickson, who is dealing with a broken wrist. He played through it last week. He's going to continue to play through it, but he's not at 100%, which is probably a good thing because when he's at 100%, we saw what he can do in the Super Bowl. Yeah. But on the other side, Sam Hubbard, who uh, has been dealing with a calf injury, he is practicing this this week. I think when the week started, most people thought that there, you know, it might be a, a you know, a, like a, coin flip whether or not he could play this weekend it's trending towards he is going to play and so now I look at you know you know what you're getting on the interior luckily for the Bills Mitch Morris is getting back but you're going to have Spencer Brown versus Sam Hubbard who's been really really good this season and, and kind of like a, an unsung hero of that defensive line everybody talks about DJ Reader everybody talks about Hendrickson but I think Hubbard is actually really really disruptive in his own right there was one play I was watching against um the it might have been the Patriots or the Chiefs game. I went back and watched both of them. And Hubbard came flying around the outside. Um, I think it was in the Patriots game and just blew up Mac Jones or or vice versa against Patrick Mahomes. And that's gonna be a big because those are those are the kind of plays on second and second and six when you take a sack on that play and it, it turns into a third and 16 or a third and 14, those are drive killers for offenses. And the bills have to number one, protect Josh Allen. We're going to get into a discussion around that, but also you have to have to have to win the turnover battle. One of the things that's been going on with the bills offense, where they've been struggling is a combination of 
lack of production outside of Stefan Diggs. And at times Diggs is, you know, not gotten the, whether it be production or target share, but if you turn the ball over in this game, coming off a game where you just turned it over three times against the bears, that is going to be debilitating for this offense, especially if like that uh, chiefs game a couple weeks ago, the Bengals get off to an early lead. They, they got off to a 14 to three lead and, you know, felt comfortable throughout that game. And, and, Obviously, Mahomes is Mahomes, but they were never able to, you know, get a kill shot and come back and win it. Yeah. First and foremost, with this Bengals pass rush, Hendrickson with the wrist injury, that's huge. Uh, just because you use your hands so much as a pass rusher to, to fight and to battle. And that's not to say he can't win a few times against uh, Deion Dawkins, but I think that really does work to Dawkins' advantage. Hubbard on the other side, uh, you mentioned it. he's having a really nice year, really uh a difference maker for that defense. So for the bills, it's going to be okay. One can Spencer Brown hold up on his own Two, What are you going to do? If that's not the case, do you keep Devin Singletary back? Do you let him maybe um, come off and kind of chip against Hubbard before he goes out and runs a route? Same thing for Dawson Knox. You can do that to kind of keep him at bay. Uh, use maybe the pass rush uh, against them. If they're getting up field, those little swing passes out to a Naheem Hines can go for big mm-hmm. gainers. It, it's going to be up to, Ken Dorsey in, in terms of, okay, if they're playing us really, if they're getting upfield on us, how can we really hurt them? Uh, in terms of the offensive line, Aaron Cromer, I've seen some some real good signs of improvement from that line as of late, more so in terms of run blocking. Uh, but you're starting to see them gel a little bit too. And what's he going to do in terms of stopping a Sam Hubbard, a DJ reader on the inside? It, it's just going to be one of those uh, chess, chess matchups, I suppose, uh, that could end up determining this game. I was listening to... Um the athletics football show they did, they previewed the did a pretty good preview uh, on the bills and the Bengals. And one of the stats that Nate Tice brought out was the fact that the Bengals are actually, because uh, JREM over on YouTube here says he wants to see Allen utilize the dump off more in this game, whether that be to the backs, whether that be to maybe a Cole Beasley, I think Cole Beasley in this game, depending on how the Bengals choose to play the bills could finally see an uptick in time on the field. Like that's, that's one lever of their offense that I feel like that they can they can pull a little bit more in this game because teams haven't seen it and what could that mean for Stefan Diggs you know what I mean like taking some of the attention off of him you've looked at times a couple weeks ago against Miami I thought Dawson Knox stepped up but it was one game you need somebody now in in this game to step up opposite of Stefan Diggs but the, the stat that that Tice brought out was the Bengals are one of the best teams in the league at limiting passes to running backs out of the backfield. They're, they're, they're up towards the top of the league defensively. And then part of that is they have two really, really fast linebackers in Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson. They have really, really athletic defensive linemen. And so you have to get creative with the way that you kind of use this. This, this is going to be a, a litmus test for James Cook, right? We've seen him have some really good games over the course of the past couple of, of, of games. But this defense is a it's a different level. Uh, I think it's going to challenge him in different ways, going to challenge this front in different ways for the Bills. And that could be kind of a sneaky key to the game is how do the Bills find easy buttons against this really athletic um, Bengals defense that also has it in their back pocket, one of the best in the league at dropping eight, relying on a three-man pass rush and and forcing the quarterback to be patient and make plays in structure where, you know, Josh wants to get out of structure whenever he can. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. And, you know, first of all, with James Cook, let's just hypothetically, what if he is a, a force against this defense? Imagine what that's going to do even to further his confidence come playoff time because of how great he's been running the ball, knowing what he can do uh, catching the ball. 
they're not expecting, at least a lot of national analysts are not expecting the Bills to have a lot of success with their backs in this game. We saw Chris Sims talk about not being able to run against this Bengals team. I liked the way they were blocking last week, and I know it's one game. um, But I'm interested to see them take on that challenge. In terms of not being able to maybe utilize their backs in the passing game, you mentioned it. Get Cole Beasley out there. This might be a game where he plays significant reps, and you can use him and get those six, seven-yard chunk plays. Dawson Knox could be a big X factor. I know they have athletic linebackers. Uh, I was a big fan of Logan Wilson coming out into the draft. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting. I, I just think that these two teams are one so evenly matched. Two, they play a lot alike. Where you don't get a full four quarters from these two teams. Uh, look at the Bengals' last two games. Tampa Bay. They came out and they <laughs> delivered a dud in the first half, where they absolutely unleashed on. Tampa Bay in the second half. And a lot of that was unforced errors by the Buccaneers that opened things up for them. Last week, they come out, they get out to, I believe, a 22-0 lead against the Patriots, and then they don't score again, and and the Patriots are on the doorstep of knocking them off last week. You know, we've seen that from the Bills. They come out, they're trailing 10-6 to the Bears, and then second half comes, and they they pull away from uh, Chicago. Neither of these teams have, have been able to deliver over four quarters, so I'm really interested to see the highs and the lows, the ebbs and the flows in this game, because I think maybe one team could come out hot, but that doesn't mean that they're going to pull away with in the, in this game by any means. You know, if you look at the bills passing offense from the first six games versus, you know, the last nine, it's, you know, 292, 313 yards, 382 yards, 201 against the Ravens, 432 and 318. So over 300 or right around 300 in, in five of the six. And, and since then, from a passing perspective, the only game they've gone over 300 yards passing was against the Vikings in overtime. They needed overtime. We yeah. talked about Josh Allen's elbow, and that's obviously something that probably continues to be a, a bit of the reason why he's been a little bit erratic, maybe a little bit less accurate. I even saw a, a play over the middle to Stefan Diggs from the Miami game, going back and watch, watching that, where Diggs just made an unreal catch back behind his body. On a, on a routine bang-bang slant play that, like, Josh Allen puts that on the money most of the time. I think that's the kind of the play that highlights how much that's played a factor in things. But I wanted to bring up this question before we move on to, you know, really dissecting this, this Bengals offense. What do you think has been more of a hindrance to the Bills' offense over the last nine games? Has it been the lack of consistent production from the co-stars or the uh, you know those secondary players in the Bills offense in the, in the weapons room, Dawson Knox, Isaiah McKenzie, Gabe Davis, or has it been more about what's in front of him from a prote- protection standpoint? You know, of those two options, I'd probably say the protection standpoint. I think that at times uh, one or two guys are getting upfield. It's causing Josh Allen to have to scramble, roll out, move a little bit, get off of his – uh, reads maybe force him to try to do something last second or try to throw something into a window that maybe isn't there. Um, you, you go back and you watch these games, and, and that's the, the cool part of the All-22 is you do see sometimes these wide receivers running open, getting open, and, and the ball's just not getting to them. Now, again, though, if the offensive line is breaking down in front of you, that throws the timing of everything off. Uh, sometimes I think it's Josh Allen not seeing the players get open. It might not be, but that might be his third or fourth read on a certain play too. That's mm-hmm. that's the the part that you don't know. You know, oh, there's Cole Beasley. He was he was open early on in his first game, and it probably would have been a 15, 20 yard gain. Uh, Allen didn't look his way though, or didn't see him open, and it's just okay. Maybe he wasn't one of those top two, top three reads on that given play. So 
it, it's hard to analyze. I think that the pass protection for this team, though, has been an issue throughout the course of the season. Uh, I think that they came into this season thinking Spencer Brown is going to take a bigger leap than he has. And again, back injury, uh, a surgery on his back in the offseason, that certainly didn't help. Roger Saffold's had a lot had a lot of ups and downs. I've had some injuries on this line. At the end of the day, the line hasn't necessarily performed in pass protection like I think they envisioned. Yeah, and it's been really, really bad over the last couple of weeks for Saffold. Um, you, you mentioned the penalties. He had two against the Jets, three against the Dolphins, and then one last week against Chicago, a really costly one that killed the drive. And, you know, you look at his pass rush or his pass blocking grade over on Pro Football Focus, 55, then a 12.5, which is the lowest of his season. And the second, third lowest of the season against Chicago last week. These are the, you know, I understand that he's older. I understand that, um, you know, his, where he's been better anyway has been, um, in run blocking over the course of his career, especially in recent seasons, but you need an uptick there and getting Mitch Morris back, I think will help. Um, it looks like six pressures allowed in that Miami game. And I wonder how much that had to do with, um, did Mitch Morris go out in that game? He got injured in that game, right? In the Miami game. Good thing. But yes, I got to think yes. of it back. Cause then he missed the Chicago game. So, mm-hmm. Part of that could have been losing Mitch Morris, having to shuffle things around. I mean, that's the definitively the worst uh, pass blocking game of his season. He gave up six pressures in that game. The only game in which he gave up more was seven against Minnesota, uh, according to Pro Football Focus. So I just think you need an uptick from him. This is a huge game. Um, there may be some athleticism issues, concerns, but you need him to step up, and they're going to need him on the interior. I mean, Mitch Morris was talking about DJ Reader. He played him when he was in Houston back in 2019. He called him a special player. Saffold's going to have to help out in that department and keep things clean up top or in the middle because where things kind of go off um, script for Josh Allen is when I think he feels that pressure, especially right up in his face, and he starts to think, all right, I need to make more plays. But to talk a little bit about the <clears throat> the and it's early. I got a couple of frogs in my throat today, Ryan. We don't usually go this, <laughs> this early. <clears throat> but um, to talk about the, the 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 co-stars, I think guys have to be really dialed in on what Sean McDermott has talked about over the last couple of weeks, and that's their fundamentals. Like from a route running perspective, everything has to be as close to perfect in this game, especially early as it can be. So Gabe Davis hitting the depth of his routes, hitting the, um, you know, cutting at the right time, being in the right place for Josh Allen. Um, Cause you'd see that. I mean, there was a play, I think it was uh, against the Miami dolphins where McKenzie, you know, had a one-on-one matchup down the field, man, man defense. And it didn't look like maybe he was either in the right place or maybe Josh just made a bad throw. But those are the kind of plays that I think immediately put pressure on the defense. They need those. They need those from Gabe Davis. He made one last week against Chicago. Dawson Knox did it against Miami. They need more of that and maybe all of that from the collective this week. Yeah, they need to get off to a, a good start against a Bengals team. And listen, no no uh, lead is going to be safe for either team. We've seen both teams come back from uh, large deficits this season. Obviously, Buffalo, the first one that comes to mind was a Ravens game from much earlier on in the season. Um, we've seen the Bengals do it time and time again over the last few seasons against teams like Kansas City, where if you don't come out and start putting up points, you could easily get into a hole quickly against this team. But I'm expecting it to be a, a back-and-forth type of game. And if the Bills come out slow, 
uh, that's really going to hurt them from play calling. If they get into a 14 nothing hole or anything like that, it might make them a little bit more predictable on that side. They need to come out. They need to uh, execute their plays offensively, like you said, run the right type of route. So if you're Gabe Davis, get you know, get yourself open if you're Cole Beasley, if this is a Cole Beasley type game, which you and I are both kind of anticipating it could be. Dawson Knox has to kind of come out and play with the confidence we've seen from him. And you're hoping the run game is as much as people are saying they're not going to be able to run against this Bengals front. You're hoping that they can open up those blocks. A great pull uh, by Spencer Brown on, on a big James Cook uh, run last week. I think it was Cook's run. Um, but th- the way that they were moving around, utilizing the offensive line in the run game. I want to see if they can build off of that too against a, a tough Bengals front. All right, let's flip over to uh, the Bengals offensive side. And, you know, we mentioned at the top, I mean, th- there's not too much you have to say about Jamar Chase, T Higgins and Tyler Boyd. They're the most uh, electric three uh, wide receiver combo in the NFL. Uh, and Joe Burrow is playing really, really good football right now. I feel like he's dialed in. Um, so that's going to be a challenge. What are the paths to wins against this offense? Because there has been defenses over the last couple of weeks that have had stretches of success against this group. I think for me, it starts um, on the defensive line. You know, you look at what this has looked like without Von Miller over the last month. Shaq Lawson has stepped into a starting role. Um, you, you know, you got Greg Russo and apparently Boogie Basham trending toward returning. I know that some fans were enjoying a little bit of Kingsley Jonathan in there for him last week, mm-hmm. but I think you do want to be as whole as possible. But again, this is going to be one of those games where you look at Ed Oliver, you look at Daquan Jones and you say, okay, from the, from the inside, that's, that's good on good. The bills interior defensive line against Alex Kappa, Ted Karras, um, really, really good interior pieces for this uh, Bengals offensive line. Yeah, that, that is the key, and, and that's winning up front. Uh, I think when the Patriots played pretty well last week against the Bengals, they weren't sending extra pressure. They were uh, kind of clogging up passing lanes. They were taking things away from uh, Cincinnati in the second half, and the Bills kind of have to mimic or mirror that type of defense. And if you can win up front with Ed Oliver, Daquan Jones, Tim Settle, um, Jordan Phillips, depending on his health and, and status, then maybe that's going to work out for the Bills. Uh, they're one of their best offensive linemen will not be playing in this game for the Bengals. So maybe off the edge, you do get a Greg Rousseau type of game. I think Shaq Lawson has had a, a really nice season for Buffalo. AJ Apinesa has, um, I think he, I don't want to say he silenced his critics, but I think he's also having a really nice season too. If they can win up front and let the linebackers, defensive backs, clog up some passing lanes. I think that is the key to this game. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if our linebackers played a big role in that too, in terms of what Edmonds can do over the middle of the field. Milano is someone that can cover just about anyone, but with those wide receivers, you have to win up front. You have to get in Burrow's face. You have to make him feel that pressure. So with Lyle, Lyle Collins out for this game and he's on the IR, he'll be out for the season thought. All right you'll kind of put in Hakeem Odinji in there uh, who struggled for them last year quite a bit. Um, He kind of was able to step back into a depth role this year. He kind of went in there for Collins when he got hurt last game and didn't look great. Uh, But apparently practice squad tackle Isaiah Prince is going to get the call up. And for me, um, and I think this is a perfect time to maybe throw this out there. Let's uh, get into our value 
home centers, keys to the game. Uh, we've already talked about a couple of them on this one. But to me, this is to, – to win this game, you have to do enough to limit the impact of the Bengals' offense. And I think it starts in this matchup specifically. You're going to see mostly Greg Rousseau on that left defensive end spot going up against a, a, a kid here in um, – Isaiah Prince, you have to win that matchup. You have to affect this game. And some of these big games against big-time quarterbacks the last two seasons, Greg Rousseau has stepped up and had big big plays, whether it be batting down passes, getting sacks, getting pressure. You're going to need that. You're going to need to force some turnovers. And where that starts is at the tip of the spear on the defensive line. And that's a matchup that I think they can really, really um, exploit. And it's a huge key to this game. Yeah, and that might be my key to the game too. But I'm just going to go back to limiting your mistakes penalties hurt the bills on offense penalties obviously can hurt you on defense against an explosive offense like this uh but offensive line you, you gotta limit the holding penalties you gotta you know make sure you're not putting this offense in a first and 20 uh type scenario because as, as much as josh allen can get you out of those scenarios at times uh it's not going to help in, in a back and forth type of game like this this is not a chicago bears type offense where you can kind of go through the motions and turn it on in the second half the Bills have to be at their best for all four quarters in this game. So limiting your mistakes in terms of turnovers, in terms of penalties, if the Bills can do that, they can win this game. Another guy that uh, uh, Sarah's asking, oh, no, Poyer's out. Um, here's to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just checking over on Twitter right now, see if there's some breaking no, news or something. Uh, I'm checking my phone. I don't see anything. No, Bills he is – um, Poyer is – uh, he, he's had this knee injury now going back. Uh, I think this is the second week he's been dealing with it. They managed it um, last week. He didn't practice two days and then was full on Friday. So we'll see um, where he's at today. Uh, I'm heading down to the facility here shortly. Um, and I'd imagine he'll be limited today and then be, he'll get a green light for Monday. But I think it would take a lot to keep Jordan Poyer out of this game. Yeah, it, the injury is is reminds me of Josh Allen, Matt Milano, these are guys that, yeah, so you would like them practicing, but if they're dealing with things throughout the course of a week, which both of those players have throughout this season, and you didn't need to practice them and they could still play come, you know, come game time, that's what it is with Poyer. <clears throat> Poyer's been here since day one. He knows everything about this defense, the ins, the outs. Um, I, I fully expect him to be on the field on Monday night. Right. Um, all right. And, you know, Hayden Hurst is, is expected to be back in this game from a weapons perspective. How do you feel like the bills match up? You, you, you we talked about Jordan Poyer there. Having him in this game is almost vital. Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds vital in this game for what you want to do in the middle deep part of the field, but on the boundary where you have to maybe win, you know, some critical matchups against T Higgins, Jamar chase. I'll be interested to see how they deploy Tredavious white in this game. Do they let him be, the guy that, that goes on, on T. Higgins, do we maybe see a little bit more of Kyrie Elam in this game and let him maybe play a little bit of man against T. Higgins, try to get physical with him, use his speed against the bigger receiver? I've loved what I've seen from Kyrie Elam over the last couple of weeks, and I'm wondering if maybe the Bills have, you know, he's earned the kind of trust that in this kind of big game setting to, to deploy him a little bit more. We'll see. And obviously we're still tracking the Christian Benford story. Um, he's been practicing all week. He's in that 21 day window. There's no, no uh, particular rush to getting him back. 
But again, something worth watching. Yeah, and listen, I think we've been calling for this for weeks now. I want it to be the Kyger Elam game. This is your first round pick. This is someone you've eased along all season. Uh, he's had limited reps in some games. He's been inactive at other times. He's been the backup to Dane Jackson. Let him go in this game. This is the wide receiver matchup type of, of game where let's see what he can do. He has the athleticism. He has the speed. He has the size. These are the types of, of games, where, and it's the reason why you drafted him when you did in the first round. I want to see what he can do against the best of the best, uh, and you just mentioned it. This is, this is the best trio of receivers in the league. So I want to see Kyrie Elam get extended snaps, get more looks than Dane Jackson. I want to see Trey White and how, how, how he looks on the other boundary. Uh, I know Chris Sims was criticizing him um this week saying you know throw it Trey White he's he's kind of been in a pro, you know he hasn't been playing very well out there on the field I I think that if you throw at him too many times he's going to hurt you because you saw him get three pass breakups in one game he had an interception get knocked out of his hands by a teammate last week you're starting to see signs there so Elam is who I want to see get more extended playing time opposite Trey White we'll see if that's the case we will see if that's the case. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you so much. Smash that like button. Uh, subscribe to the show as well. Uh, we're going to have a full core press uh, marketing campaign beginning on Monday because we are going to be, uh, I think it actually starts on Tuesday, uh, having a live show uh, a week from yes. Saturday. Today, a week from today, today Ryan. A week from Man, today. This, <laughs> time flies when you're having you. fun. Uh, yeah, we're going to be out at Froth uh, Brewing Company, the new home of wing nuts so you're going to want to maybe uh get to town or if you're local in western new york plan uh to meet us at 7 p.m on saturday january 7th up at um wing nuts and you know it'll it'll be interesting to see uh how that goes our live events are some of the the, the most fun that we have where we get to interact with bills fans if you're huge fans of the show uh we'd love you to come out uh, we'll we'll talk bills. We'll hang out. We'll have a couple of drinks. We'll take pictures. We'll do all the we'll do all the fun stuff ahead of you know the season finale. I'm looking forward to it, Ryan. Yeah, I cannot wait. Looking forward to having some wing nuts, wings, uh, checking out froth, and most importantly, hanging out with the Bills Mafia. Biggest news maybe is that uh, producer AJ will be there. Uh, That's right. And, and you know, come meet AJ. Get a picture with him. Um, he'll, he'll probably have a, a fresh new haircut. Uh, I can't wait to. Uh, I can't wait for the night. It's going to be so much fun. All right, let's go to our. Is it prediction time, Ryan? It is we need like like little. Time. We need like little music segues uh, for these preview shows, <laughs> like do 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 or something like that. I don't know. Um, that was horrible, but you get my point. Um, prediction time. We were talking about this um, two days ago uh, off air and about the difficulty of picking this game, you had mentioned that you were kind of going back and forth quite a bit before finally landing on it. Have you landed on your pick? Um, I, I got to, I have to admit I've, I've waffled a little bit as well. It's, it's a super close game. Um, there's so many different factors, but who do you got? Yeah, it's, it's fitting. It's a morning show because I'm still waffling over here. Um, no, I, at the end of the day, <laughs> I, thank you. Um, I, I wouldn't mind if I start 2023 by eating some crow. I'm going to go with the Bengals in a really close game, 27-24. The Bills have just had to go through so much this season um, with the weather, with having to travel three games in 11 days, two of them in Detroit. 
uh, they're battle-tested, and I think they can win this game. It's just there's so many weapons on this Bengals team. They're playing just as good of football as the Bills are right now. And the only reason I'm going with the Bengals is it's on the road. It, it's in Cincinnati. I think that could be the determining factor. If the Bills win, will I be surprised? Absolutely not. But I'll go Bengals 27, Bills 24. So for me, <clears throat> I don't know if I ever was on the Bengals this week, but I, I, I considered it heavily every single day. The thing that I keep coming back to, and it's and it's weird because the Bengals went to the Super Bowl last year, but mm-hmm. I think that the Bills over the last three season seasons, their trip to the AFC title game, their devastating loss in Kansas City last year, all the big moments, it, it feels like over the last six weeks, they've really figured out how to, from a coaching perspective and an execution perspective on the field, to figure out how to win close games. I think this is, there's no way this isn't a close game. There's, there's too much pockets of talent on both sides of the ball and important key matchups that it's going to be one of those ones that comes down to the, to the final uh, play. The thing for me, final plays group of plays in the fourth quarter. For me, I think Josh Allen, the runner is the difference in this game. I think that, from a scrambling perspective, if he's able to be um, effective in that part of it, that's that's one thing that's fine. But I think that he's going to be able to actually, from a designed run perspective, getting Bobby Hart out on the field, getting into those jumbo packages and putting pressure on the Bengals, maybe even early in the first quarter to make them maybe switch some things up, um, running right at them and, and bringing the offense to them, utilizing Cole Beasley. I think they'll be able to do enough. I think they'll. I think that the Bills' defense is poised for an absolutely erupt, eruptive type of performance from a turnover perspective. They don't have an interception since week 10, Ryan. Well, Ooh. unless you want to count the Nathan Peterman Hail Mary last week. Somebody made sure to clarify things for me. But there was Jaquan Johnson, a backup safety. Last play of the game was a heave. I don't really count that. They haven't been able to turn the ball over in the passing game. And so I think this is the kind of week, as good as Joe Burrow is, as good as those weapons are, I think what Tyler Boyd said this week might be lighting a little bit of a fire in that Bills secondary room. And I I could see guys really stepping up and and making some big plays. So I'm going Bills 27, Bengals 24. So we're literally exactly flipped. (laughs) And so we'll talk about uh, who was closer on uh, on Monday night. Well, Tuesday morning, actually. Tuesday morning. That's right. We're going to be an early morning. Uh, Bill's Mafia, as we wrap up this show here on New Year's Eve, thank you for your support over the, the year. Uh, huge year at Shaw. We, we won some some awards. I see Matt's uh, plaque there in the back from the Syracuse Press Club. We, we won some other ones, and we, we couldn't do it without your support. So thank you so much here as we're uh, getting ready to start 2023. Oh, man, I'm so glad you said that because – we do these so many of these shows and they and when you do multiple in a week like this, you you know, you just kind of get into, you know, that work mode. And mm-hmm. it's so easy to kind of forget about what makes this thing, this engine run. And it's all of you guys watching. I mean, you've we're over uh, we're well over a million downloads on the audio platforms. I think we're closing in on two million views here on YouTube since we launched this channel. Um, I don't even know now a little bit less than three or three, three years ago. I I gotta go back and remember. Um, but it is, it's been a Titanic year for the shout podcast. You guys have been, um, so awesome. The, the liveliness in this chat, every episode, 
um, it, it's awesome for us. And AJ's had a great time producing. We always have a great time uh, checking them all out. So you guys have been awesome. And we're, we're only getting started here. You know, another week of the regular season and then full systems go for the playoffs. We're going to have you covered right here on Shout. And speaking of having you covered, Kings Hawaiian Slider Sunday Million Dollar Showdown has you covered over at Tops Friendly Markets. Enter for a chance to win $1 million. Each week, Kings Hawaiian is pitting two cities sliders. Those are burgers. There's been a little bit of, uh, you know, questions about that. Sliders or burgers or mini burgers against each other. So two cities. Um one representative will cook some sliders, make some sliders, and then they'll have a contest. People will eat them and see which one's better. It's the ultimate showdown, and you get to help decide the winner. Vote weekly for your favorite regional slider for a chance to win all season long and earn entries toward the $1 million prize. Explore the interactive stadium to play games, get recipes, share photos, and so much more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash redzone to enter. Man, I cannot wait. Kyle Gauger, thanks for the super chat. Ice peppermint mochas on me, boys. <laughs> Go Bills. Thanks, as always, for the great content. Well, we appreciate you. Yes. Thank you for hanging out with us. Like and subscribe before you go. We'll see you Tuesday morning after the Bills and the Bengals. Have a great weekend, everybody.